hey, how's it going? Have you heard of this amazing new product? Do you like Neil Young? You're, uh, are you in your bedroom and that's why it's so dark? Oh, I'm in the living room. Oh, is it just Scotland is done now? Is it already the sun has set? It's it's uh, 6 p.m. Oh, no, wait, one, two, I can do math. It's 3 p.m.? It is 3.37 p.m. Mm, and the sun has set on you. Is it actually? No, it's just gray. Oh. Well. But. But. I think. Some fake police and up my door yesterday. Do tell. Do tell me about the fake police. Okay. So as you know, I live in a tenement flat, which is a small block with eight flats in it. So we got, I got a buzz on the buzzer yesterday, and um, it's like the communal buzzer, and it said, hey, please, do you mind if we come in? And I was like, of course. So they came in, and there were these two guys who were about my age, like similar build, plain clothes, and they were like, nothing to worry about with the police. One of them pulled out a badge and then put it away very, very quickly. Yes. And then, and then said, um, we're looking for Chinese people. And then the other guy was like, um, a missing Chinese person or someone who looks Chinese. And I was like, right. And then, um, and then he said, are any Chinese people in the building or in your flat right now? And I was like, I honestly do not know, and they're not in my flat. Yeah, that's and important. You yeah. do know that they're not in your flat. They're definitely not in my flat that I am aware of. And he was like, okay, cool. Do you mind if we take a look around? And I was like, no, I don't want you to take a look around my flat, but you can take a look around the block. And he was like, okay, cool, no problem. And then they kind of disappeared. And it kind of like, it felt a little bit weird. Like, there was something about no plain clothes. I only saw one of the guy's badges. He didn't tell me where he was from except he was the police. Mm-hmm. And they looked just a bit rough. And, um. Like, like we, not shaven? Like, just, they didn't look like what I would imagine police to look like. But I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. And, um, we've had a few bikes stolen from, um, our hallway um, the last couple of weeks and so I didn't really think too much of it I just thought that's a bit weird but maybe they are and then they came back on the night and um, there was we have like a little welcome mat and on the welcome mat there was a sachet of pepper it just said pepper on it right oh like a little package a little packet a little packet of pepper it just said pepper and it's sitting on the doorstep on the doormat I wouldn't think anything of this, but I know that when people are planning a burglary, they leave markers okay. on certain doors, depending on who's in or whether or not. Because I know that sometimes they'll put sellotape over your key hole, mm-hmm. and if it's still there within like three or four days, they know that you're not at the flat because you would have pulled it off. Uh, is this something you learned from the North, living in the North? Being a northerner. Yeah, but it's a whole thing. They leave like little pebbles out or they'll like um, do like a little chalk mark outside of your house. And so I went upstairs to see the other eight flats and two of them have identical pepper sachets mm. on their doorsteps. So now I don't know whether that means don't rob these people or whether it means let's rob these people. So now I'm living in this state of paranoia. Uh-huh. It's like a Passover thing. It's like it's like the it's like someone's put the correct blood over their doorway to say, "Do not take the firstborn son." Yeah, but the, it's pepper sachets. And if it had been soul, then I know that's to ward off evil spirits. So it could just be some kind soul just mm-hmm. wanting to stop these people robbing me. But what does pepper mean? I looked it up. I couldn't find anything. Mm. So the pepper police are going to rob my flat that I'm thinking of. But one thing that I thought. 
when they buzzed the buzzer, Mulder started barking. Mm-hmm. They didn't see Mulder, but he sounds scarier than he looks. Mm-hmm. I had boxer shorts and a t-shirt on. I'm looking all right at the moment. I look like you could take out two men in a fight. Well, you have been so training. I have been training. They probably know that just from looking at me right now. And so I'm thinking the pepper mark means let's not go near this. Because on the top floor, there's a guy who's pretty big. Not that I'm big, but he's pretty big. And he had a pepper marker on his door. So I reported to the police last oh, night. I was going to say, the, the thing that makes the most sense to me here, and I wasn't sure if you're going to tell me, no, 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 that's what a, like a wimp would do. Don't do that. It's just oh. to call the police and say, hey, this just seems really strange. There was so a couple I phoned them last yesterday evening, and they were like, I explained the situation, that they looked at this Chinese person, and they were like, okay, um, the people that would have been on duty will have finished their shift now, so let me get back to you. Mm-hmm. They phoned me this morning, and the guy constable so-and-so so-and-so was like yeah we didn't have anyone out looking for a missing chinese person <laughs> and you describe these guys and like i couldn't really apart from that they were white about my height same build yeah and um and he's like and how were you built and you're like well you know I'm- i was like i don't know if you can tell by the sound of my voice but i train a lot and i'm also pretty deadly um and he was like do you mind if we send some actual officers around tonight Mm-hmm. Um, to take uh, to have a discussion with you, so we've got the real police come in tonight at eight thirty. Oh, my flat. So, um, but I don't know what to do. Like, I'm a little. My only concern is, like, obviously, I don't want to be robbed, uh-huh. but I don't want to leave Mulder in the flat mm. in case they steal my dog. Oh yeah, because that's what they're doing. Maybe they're like, oh, cockapoo, definitely uh, a, a dog of of great value. Yeah, and Mulder's gonna die at the moment because he got so he's a fat fuck. So he will go with anyone who has any type of food on him. Mm-hmm. It seems pretty. I mean, it seemed pretty challenging, excessive to try to steal a dog. That well, I don't even know if it's just to steal a dog. I don't know if it's just they're looking because I know a few of the flats around this area have been broken into. Mm-hmm. They are. Oh, they have been. Yeah. So is that why your property price was so reasonable? My property price was not that reasonable, actually. <laughs> and they've gone up, like, I could sell mine for about £18,000 more than what I paid for it. Mm. So, hopefully these guys don't uh, diminish the value of it. But, um, but that aside, um, I don't know if I just need to protect my property constantly. Evidently. Do you not still have um, your, set- your, your security setup happening? So uh, it's still in the cupboard, but I took it down because um, it kind of consumes your entire life. Yeah, but wasn't your second thought like, oh, my goodness, had I had my security cameras up, I could have exact footage to give these real police people about these fake police people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I see your point. But um, no, I haven't set it up, but um, I may put it back up. This is a lot of growth. Do you know that? Like, go, coming from, from those who know, 40, uh, 47 episodes go or whatever, uh, your level of just, like, paranoid, uh, I don't know, like, a very much rear window as you talk about life in your flat, it's, you're just like, well, what am I going to do? There's some guys, they're coming. Pepper or no pepper, we'll see what happens. I think not drinking, I think not eating a bunch of weed <laughs> and exercising may have had some sort of positive impact on me. Don't you have... <laughs> that's great to hear, and I imagine it does. Um, do you ever th- reflect back to being, uh, like, yourself two years ago? Or, or, like, so I'll speak for myself, which is whenever I wasn't exercising and I was, you know, not sleeping properly, etc., th- people would say, you know, it's great for you. You'd feel better if you just exercised. Maybe uh, get up early, sleep properly. And all I could think is, you don't know. That's not a thing. That's some BS. And then started doing it and thinking, oh, my God, you just feel so much better if you just get out and exercise every once in a while. And you just sleep a reasonable amount and wake up in the morning and go to bed at night. I, yeah, everything I ever read about whenever I would get really anxious and down, I would read, I, I'd try and find some sort of solace in articles online. It'd be like, the best thing for it is to exercise and not to drink. And I'd be like, they don't have a clue. And then I would want to have a drink. And then I wouldn't do any exercise. Then I'd stay up really late watching X-Files. I don't feel like shit. So, but 
Yeah, it turns out there's something in it. I think the one thing that I wish I'd done is just kind of like figured this out earlier. So whenever I go to the gym now and I see someone who's like 19, 20, mm-hmm. and then I'm like, I wish I'd been doing that then. Yeah, just being real cut forever. Not even so much cut, which probably would have had its advantages. Um, but I think I would have just found life a little bit easier. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, you don't, here's the thing, like, I was, I can't remember what was happening the other day, where was I, some situation, a lot of my life is, is, is trying to tell people how to live their lives, but someone's talking to me about uh, trying to help someone else, and then how, how it's like, you know, you want to just basically say, hey, I've made this, this choice before, it's very, it's, uh, it, I've done it for, you know, five, ten years, but let me tell you, it's much more worth it just to do the other thing, like an example, just exercise, you'll feel much better, don't don't not do that for 10 years uh but really you don't actually understand the value of it i don't think until you go through that experience yourself and so it's hard it's hard to be like oh if i were 19 yeah and i think what i started exercising properly at 30 so it's not that bad i've got about what 15 years left in my life so yeah i mean statistically speaking based on death clock and yeah the area that i'm from and the area that you've moved to with the the other part of the, the, the working out and stuff that I just was not down for was mostly the culture of it. Like I just couldn't handle the fact that there was a bunch of people who were, who were seemingly positive and um, just like into supporting each other, like essentially bro culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very uh, hesitant about it in any sort of way. It just seemed very, um, like it was like a secret, like definitely they were just out being being rapists all the time. That's definitely what it was. I just didn't know. They're like, hey guys, bro, high five. But then really they were just horrible people. But as I uh, mature, as you say, and realize uh, more things about life, I think they're just very positive people who found something that they enjoyed quite a bit and uh, just wanted to um, support each other in a, you know, in a fun way and not overthink life and its complications. Um so for the past few days, I've been looking at a bunch of like political stuff because we've got the uh, the election coming up, and I just felt myself this morning so what's it called um, overwhelmed with just like foreign affairs and policy things and like false promises and and you know character attacks and blah blah blah. And I just I woke up this morning I'm like I just I gotta talk to Rich, but I just feel so blah. And so I opened up uh, YouTube on my phone as I'm oft, often do with a cup of coffee, and it was just all suggestions for like leadership debates. Um, review um some news outlet talking about you know immigration policies this and that and like whatever it was and i was just like i don't want any of this stuff and then first i I hit the trending button which i never do and there was a trending video which was um dude perfect uh all all sports trick shots and i was like right and i was like here's the thing i'm not gonna watch that that's not for me and then I, i scrolled a bit and about 45 seconds later i thought who are you kidding and let me tell you as a palate cleanser if you just open yourself to let, knowing that these guys, despite the fact that they're probably in their 30s, um, and, like, at first, the, the narrative I want to tell when I was younger is, like, look at them, they're dumb, and they don't know what they're doing with their lives, and they're terrible people, with their backwards uh, snapback hats and their uh, gym shorts. But uh, what I imagine now is, like, they're just guys who are hanging out, realize that they can have a lot of fun and make some money, and they're probably good family people, they're probably doing the right things, they're all very supportive of each other, no one's calling each other, you know. Horrible. Hom- horrible homophobic slurs and then they just they just hit, took a tee put a football on it hit it with a with a baseball and it landed in a basketball net and it was fantastic everyone had a great time and millions of people watching it feel a little bit better like, yeah! and then they high five the the they fake high five the camera or they'll like yeah. they come up with a handshake and they just seem so happy and i'm like god they're just so happy i can't imagine feeling that level of happiness over anything though right but isn't it? It's admirable. Before I thought it was disgusting and like oh, fake. It is admirable. If, if you can be that happy at any point in your life, especially over something like as achievable as that, like you, can, you can work at that and then throw a basketball over your head and it lands in the net and you feel just really happy. I just, but what I worry about is trying to get good at something like that, mm-hmm. doing it, and then it doesn't bring me any joy. Well, I think that it's the momentary joy, right? Like, I think that there's an idea that that we want to be, that it's trying to, it's that people think that you should be crazy happy all the time, like elated, insane amount of happy, which is not true. But I think that there is a value to just having happiness, moments of happiness, and that happiness is fleeting, and that you hit that level of like 10 out of 10 happiness for a brief second, and by the time you even realize it, it's drifting off, right? So... I, and I think that a huge part of that and the enjoyment of that is like 
anything, which is the working towards it, right? And the, I've set this goal, I'm going to do this thing. And I think when you actually like land a shot that is throwing a Frisbee off of the top of a stadium, and then your friend drives, drives really quickly in a parking lot uh, while your third friend stands out of the sunroof and then catches the Frisbee 150 yards away. I think that that's very satisfying as a thing, but it was the creative process of thinking about it, the build up towards it, the skill development there, the like all of those things lining up until it happens. And then once it's done, you're like, okay, well, what's the next thing? Let's keep going. Let's set a new goal. And the idea that the whole um, idea that life is the journey and not the destination and the idea that what you're enjoying is going towards something and not the completion of it. And I suppose it's a very deep, um, comparison for somebody throwing frisbees off of the top of a stadium but i mean it seems to be it seems to be beneficial i now I've, i i before i was like these these dumb dudes would go home and you know like drink a bunch of beer and be ridiculous but now i picture them like going home to their two and a half children and um in their like re- you know reasonable suburban homes and just like giving sage advice for, about how to live your life well um and it makes it makes the made up narrative of my brain much much more uh, palatable as I said. Yeah, it's. Are you saying that we should start getting good at trick shots? Um, maybe, maybe. Because I have, a, I have a lot of free time. I think it's in the same way that, like, if you were like, I'm going to learn the this really ridiculous, um, I don't know, like Iron Maiden riff or something. Like, you're going to sit down and, and work at it, and to the point where you can play it really well, and then it's really satisfying. But the the point with this is that it seems to be the community element as well, because it's not one person doing a bunch of trick shots by themselves. It's five people having a great time, basically making a day of it. We're going to go out and have this thing. Isn't this a lot of fun? In the same way that you'd get with playing music in a band with a bunch of people, except for a lot of bands, like rock, typical, like, you know, young people rock bands, it, you can't, you have this air of coolness where you can't celebrate that you're having fun while playing. You just have to be like, oh, whatever. This is just like something I do. We could play here, but really there is a lot of joy, as I've said before, in playing music with other people and finding that connection through a shared experience. But there's something about um, the, the performance of a rock band that's like, no, we're not having fun. This is serious stuff. And we're just like, we're just, I guess I'm trying, but not really. Not really trying. Where do you meet these guys, though, who are willing to take their day or multiple days to just develop these trick shots? Like, that's the type of thing that you could do in high school and have that amount of time, but where, what are these people doing? Well, I imagine that they are, um, this is the sort of thing that they're doing instead of, like, at, like I imagine now they're making money off of it, but they probably were a bunch of friends doing, like, like in a sports league or something. So you're going to your $10 or your 10-pound soccer league, but while you're there, you're hanging out at the beginning, instead of warming up, you're just, like, doing silly crossbar shots with the <laughs> soccer ball. And then that just devolves from that point. But you found some people who are like, oh, that was amazing. So it goes, oh, watch this. Whoa, Richard, you did such a great job. And then you're like, this is strange. But you're supposed to be, you're supposed to be English. Why are you speaking to me in this such positive way? I don't understand. Why are you so supportive? Yeah, I think that's drilled into us as well with being English that I can't be that positive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, you know, my friend, uh, my friend Dave, who I don't know if he's going to like, who's, who's from Canada. He has that level of uh, positivity, engagement, like loves bringing people together, loves doing like fun sports things and just uh, only just wants to bring that, that joy towards people. And so within the context of living in the UK with him, I found it very interesting because there was a lot of people who were like, oh, we can we can do this thing. We can all just kind of joyfully be together. OK. And this is allowed the joy. Oh, all right, then let's be yeah. OK. That's strange. But I'll, I'll try it out of this. It's just a little bit of coaxing, yeah. I think it's underneath. It's just like sometimes it's there with, a, especially if there's no alcohol, you're not going to get it with uh, with the English folk. Yeah, but something you strive for. You strive for it while you're getting there. Maybe it's just about like taking some of your um, headphones out at the gym. Yeah, that is the one because I'm pretty good at like connecting with people around this area. Like I've made like a decent bunch of mates, and I can kind of speak to most people. You know, the coffee shop, restaurants and stuff like that. And um, But the gym, I've not got... I've only ever been asked once to spot a guy. Mm-hmm. And he offered to do it to me. And I was like, I'm all right. Even though I could have probably done with it. But yeah, I'm not... Like, you see them, the guys at the gym, and they, like, high-five each other. Or they're, like, chatting away. Mm-hmm. Or, like, shouting each other on. And then there's just me in the corner. 
with a cattle pal. Maybe you just need an opener. Maybe you need an opener. Maybe you just like you got to find. Uh, everyone wants to feel like they are um, important and special. So maybe you go in and you just be like, you can say something like, "Hey, I noticed you're using this thing. I don't know what gyms, how gyms happen." And you just like look for advice on how to use it. And then people are gonna be like, "Sure, yeah, great." You're like, "Oh, well, because you know, you obviously look like you know what you're doing. You got these amazing uh, nipples or whatever it is that you're working on." Um, and I'd, I'd, I'd like them myself, please. You're a beautiful specimen. Mm-hmm. How do I get to become you? Yeah, because if someone came up to you and was asking you about about all your uh, like that you're I don't know I don't know what the kettlebell development is because I'm a, I'm a dummy, but they were saying that they loved your triceps and they saw that you do some tri- um, kettlebell stuff. Could you show them a couple things? You'd be like, oh sure, 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 and you'd be flattered, and also yeah, well, and you'd also want to talk to that person more. That is true. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't know if Maybe you want, want more connections. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like I don't know if in the gym there's anyone that I want to connect with, but. You never know, Josh. Mm-hmm. You never know. Yeah, we, so, we met on the internet, and you were saying that the music I liked was stupid, and uh, that I should listen to more Smiths. And now look at us. And now look at us. We're sitting around in our living rooms, yep. chatting about an old man in his 70s. Just just ranting about GMOs. GMOs. What are we talking about? We're talking about Neil Young's The Monsanto Years. And when was that out, Josh? I want to say 2015. Does that sound accurate? Do you want to say that? Do you want to say 2014? I don't know, Josh. What do you want to say is 2015? 2015. Okay, good. Just wanted to check. I thought it was 2015. Um, Not that long ago. We're catching up. Yeah, I know. Actually, um, this will come out. The week that this comes out, there'll be another Neil Young album released. Amazing. He's taking care of us. He knows. He's got him in the bag. He's got him in the bag. We got him in the bag. There's a handful of ones in his bag that we have not taken out yet. We got to do some of those. Can't wait to see that bag. It's going to be a good bag. Um, uh, Promise of the Real. Correct? What? The Promise of the Real is his backup band. Oh, sorry. His backing band, um, headed up by Willie Nelson's son. Yes. Whose name I don't know except for this, so I'm going to call him Baby Willie. Lucas. Baby Willie. <laughs> Little Baby Willie. Uh, okay, so Little Baby Willie. Uh, I like to tell how much that entertained you. <laughs> it's good. Because I just also imagined an entire life where they're like, oh, it's a Little Baby Willie. He's like, Lucas, my name is Lucas. And then eventually hey, hitting in his like, late 20s, early 30s and just accepting, yeah, yeah, okay, like I don't feel, I don't feel like I'm in the shadow anymore. I understand that people are saying it affectionately. I'm not just like, No! I don't want to be like, I don't want to be Willie Nelson's son. I want to be Lucas. I'm going to change my name from Lucas Neil, uh, Nelson to Lucas uh, Nightlight or something. Ooh. Like uh, David Bowie's son was called Zowie Bowie. Zowie. Zowie. But is and he changed his name to Duncan Jones. Yeah, because da- well, David Bowie's real name is David Jones. Yeah. And then he changed his name from David Jones to David Bowie because he didn't want to be confused with Davy Jones from the Monkees. And he did change his name to Tom Jones as well. Yeah, because it was unusual and he wanted everyone to know that sometimes it is unusual. Do you get Tom Jones in uh, Canada? Do we get Tom Jones in Canada? We do get Tom Jones in Canada. Um, Okay, good. I'm glad he's over there. Yeah, he's pretty good. Um, uh, So... Carry on. Okay, so Monsanto Years. It's a, it's an album from 2015. It's a pr- it's it's got Neil Young, and he's taken some uh, young energy again. So just like he did with Mirrorball, and he wanted to take Pearl Jam and do some uh, do some jamming. Uh, he's now taken um, the Prawns of the Real, which is their own band, and done a. Actually, it sounds it sounds very similar to a Neil Youngy Crazy Horse album, except for with a little yep. bit of different. Um, like there's a little bit of different personality in it. Like if I were listening to it. And you didn't tell me. I I just assume it's a Crazy Horse album. Yeah, yeah, it could pass as a Crazy Horse. And I imagine part of it is um um is because the Promise of the Real grew up listening to Neil Young, and probably are just like, oh, this is what a Neil Young album sounds like. This is how you play with Neil Young. I'll play like Crazy Horse. I think you could be right. I think it's nice to kind of hear that kind of like tightness of a band. It's not as a uh experimental and uh, oh, what's the word? My brain's shot today. Mm-hmm. 
terrible job. It like it's less. There's not as many tangents. The songs mm. aren't 18 minutes long. Yeah, actually. So here's the thing: is it's actually it's what nine songs. Most of the songs are anywhere between four and eight minutes or something, but most of them are closer to four minutes than eight minutes. And mm-hmm. and what I found. Um, as you said, is they're not tangential. They have the same like jam quality as a like lengthy Crazy Horse album. Like yeah. they still have like a little bit of a break interlude, some nice solos. They got some good like you can tell it's like it's a uh, Neil Young doing his Neil Young thing in a band, really supporting him, making him feel full and um, interesting. But like the the longest songs are Big Box at eight seventeen and Monsanto Years itself at seven forty six. But otherwise, they're all in and around five minutes or less. Mm-hmm. Which, for a Neil Young nine-track album, is pretty impressive. It is pretty impressive. So I'm curious if it was, like, they are the ones signaling, like, the changes and, and how long it's going to be, or if Neil has decided to make it shorter. Do you know what I mean? Like, was it always Crazy Horse just keep, like, do it, like, just, like, they're, they're going and it's, they say, like, hey, let's do another another round. Let's just keep keep this going, keep this going. Um, or was Neil more in charge, or is this an active thing that they've chosen? I I think... It might have something to do with the fact that he's angry and got something to say. Oh, so the anger makes it shorter. It's like it's like yeah, terse. like it reminded me of uh, living with war mm-hmm. and just how didn't he? He wrote that record after seeing a picture of a soldier in a helicopter being airlifted from a battlefield. Is that right? Yeah, I remember it was USA Today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, I need to write this record, I need to get it out. And I don't know how long it took to record this, but there's something, it feels like he's got a point, so therefore, let's not mess around. And he's very angry. Uh, so it's a related sidebar, which is, um, I think this is, this is correct. In the States, you're not allowed to show pictures of, uh, like, uh, as... Starting the the Bush Jr. administration, the George Bush Jr. administration, um, that you can't show pictures of soldiers coming, like, uh, injured, or you can't show pictures of, like, uh, coffins, or coffins, caskets with flags over them or anything like that from war situations. You can't publish that. It's illegal. Really? Yeah. So, like, the idea, like, if you think about all, like, the Vietnam War, uh, Korean War time, there was... um, like that he's protest that Neil Young's often like protesting and talking about back in the seventies is that there's, you're seeing pictures from these things. You're seeing Asian orange, like destroying, um, Vietnamese communities. You're seeing like all the soldiers coming back. You're seeing this, this wreckage. But like, if you think about it now, you don't see a lot of pictures from, uh, like at least, sorry, I don't see a lot of pictures from war torn, uh, nations or actual active wars going on. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's very easily, easy to become blissfully unaware. And I, I imagine that's the point, because like, well, we don't want to worry the public, but then also you're like, oh, what are we, what is the government doing here? Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to know that he saw a picture of a soldier that, that, that started this, and I'm curious what, he, what caused him to want to protest Monsanto, which is a company that has been protested before, and I recall before this album coming out, I already had known about Monsanto and people being against it as a horrible... Well, they product. were instrumental in uh, genetically modified foods. Yeah. Organisms. Yeah, GMOs. Yeah. And he's very against that. Like, the plight of the farmer, isn't he? He's always... It's it's complicated. Did I talk about the robot farmers last time that I was on the... I don't think you did talk about robot Oh, I went to a... I went to a a farm where it's basically a whole robot farm. It's a whole robot cow farm. Dairy farm. All right. So it's actually super interesting. Um, and so it's part the the main attraction for this is what happens is the cows are milked by milking machines, right? Like you, but as opposed to people putting them on themselves and milking the cows, um, the cows are in this like kind of free range barn area, but it's huge and, and, um, and uh, high tech and open to, it's got like, it's got computer controlled like climate. It's got computer controlled like, um, doors and and blinds and stuff to make sure that the cows don't freeze when it's too cold but also that they're not getting too hot uh when it's super hot in the summer Uh, and they wander around their pens and there's different sides for cows that are calving and ones that aren't um but the cows can be milked roughly every six hours i think no more um 
So what they have done is they have this machine where the cows will walk into this gate and they'll stand in it. And they've got like a, me- like a little sensor thing. I think it's on their ear. It's like a magnetic sort of uh, tag. And the computer reads if that, uh, when the last time that cow uh, was milked. And if it's over six hours, what it'll do is it'll drop this. There's a trough in front of them. And it'll put a bunch of feed in it. Like delicious, tasty, tasty feed. And the cows start eating it. Um, if it's not their time, it'll just, the gate will open at the other end and they just walk through. Okay. But when the feed goes out, they start eating it. They're super excited. And then this little little uh, laser comes out to read their udders to see where their udders are. It then finds where exactly where the um, what are they called? I think they're whatever teats, but teat on each cow is, um, and then cleans it all, like warm water, blow dry, whatever the other things that they need to clean it on there to clean that whole area. And if it can't find where the udder is with the lasers, it just goes by a history of all of the data that's collected where it usually is, and then the little machine comes out. And then latches on and then milks the cow. And then the milk goes through its tubes into a big vat. But before it does, it gets checked for like um, quality. Some of it gets sent off for testing. Uh, it tells it like, um, like levels of it, like if there's any blood in it or any like infection, et cetera. It looks for white blood cells to see if there's any infection because it'll get rid of it, et cetera. And then it all gets put together. And then once that's finished, it gets detached and the cow makes its way out. And the cows are just like, I love this system. Let me have food. So they keep, they'll just intentionally go in to try to get milk. Um, but there's that as well as like a robot that cleans all of the, the feed up. Like it, it, It's kind of like a giant Roomba, which is funny and unnecessary. Um, did, it, did it make you want to stop drinking milk? I already don't drink milk. Oh, okay. Um, did it make you stop wanting to eat dairy? I don't eat dairy. I can't eat it because my body reacts to it, but I do love dairy. Um, no, it actually, it's, it's interesting because you hear a bunch about like horrible corporate, um, yeah, inhumane, inhumane practices. And I'm like, overall, this is pretty like, here's, here's the thing as a vegetarian, I'm sure that you have different, you have some opinions as to animals and treatment, but like they, they're, they're cows. And then part of my brain is like, cows are, are not going to live in the wild really here. But the way that they're living seems pretty reasonable, just uh, given our, like, as far as industrialized farming goes, this is pretty reasonable. Granted, they're still getting impregnated intentionally, and then later get sent off for, you know, after they're done being dairy cows, they get sent off to another farm for other reasons. Um, But it wasn't like a horrific, dark, terrible, like, uh, dingy farm hole. It was relatively, um, what's the word? It was relatively clean and interesting. They had people coming through and they had, you know, they, here's, there's the thing is that they said that some people said, oh, I treat these cows. The farmer was like, these cows are like my children. And then someone I was on the group with was like, I have a challenge with people saying that's like their children because you don't send your children off to be murdered after they are, after they've done giving you what you need. And I was like, yes, I agree with that. But I understand what they're saying. Yeah, anyway, so that's the, that was my thought around that. And then I think, so thinking about Monsanto years and the challenges with genetically modified organisms. And so there's a couple of things. I think there's a big giant um, umbrella term for GMOs, which is anything that has been genetically modified. And in some ways, if you have a hybrid apple, like they're like, oh, we took this, we don't like this uh, exact type of apple, let's make this new apple. I have no example right now, which is a really poor way to make an argument. But if you're combining like a, one form of apple with another, then that would be genetically modifying it. Or you could argue that uh, by crossbreeding a crocopoo, that is a genetically modified animal. That's true. And so the, the term GMO is very... Uh, it's it's very loaded, and I think that the big challenge with this one and the things that I find is challenging with some of the things Monsanto does, and which are some of the things that are, um, I guess, being pushed back against within this album, is like the idea that Monsanto A has is almost had this almost giant monopoly on all seeds and all um, sorts of um, agricultural practices because they had had biological patents in the same way that you would have the model where you would read, like if you're trying to come up with a drug, you'd spend tons and tons of money on research and development, so much money, so much money, so much money to try to get this, um, whatever, uh, cancer drug built and developed. And then you recoup all your money by patenting it and charging a lot of money to sell it. 
Yeah. So what Monsanto was doing was that same model where they would do R&D, R&D, R&D on all of these um, uh, agricultural products and then patent them so that no one else could do it. So one of the big complaints about Monsanto, for example, was that they would buy up companies with seeds um, and other agricultural and uh, biological, um, what are they called? Um, products, I guess. Uh, and then they would turn them into uh, patented um, thing. So, so one of the challenges is, let's say you're using traditional indigenous medicines, and there's a specific plant that, um, for a number of years, people have known have been helpful for, let's say, um, just like uh, pain suppression. Like, I guess, um, I can't think of anything perfect, like aspirin. So aspirin is a, in itself, comes from a plant. There's a specific tree, I believe it is, that where you can get the, um, the drug from aspirin. Right. But if you copyright, uh, patent aspirin, if anyone tries to make that from that tree, again and then they're saying oh actually you're you're taking our patent and thus you're not allowed to sell it and so you're but you're making money off of something natural in the world saying that it is um owned by you um so that's one challenge that comes from that model and i think that neil young is pushing against is like you can't own seeds essentially you can't own the earth you can't own natural things um and then the other portion that I found a little unnerving was more that, like, the, so Monsanto develops things like, um, you might have heard of Roundup. I've heard of it here. I don't know if you heard of it, which is a pesticide. And so one of the things they did was develop things like corn that were um, resistant to that pesticide. Yeah. So there's a chemical that they have developed that kills, like, everything, but this corn doesn't. So what we can do is then plant the corn closer together. Because if you can plant the corn closer together, then you don't have to pull up all the weeds in between, which means that you can have an industrial uh, thrasher, I guess, uh, get all the corn without worrying about all the other stuff in it. But that means that you would plant this special corn and then use their special pesticide to make sure that it's come through. And the fact that that pesticide is really terrible for people as well. Yeah, because they had a lot of lawsuits against them. They were, I think, at one point successfully sued by a couple... The two million dollars, I think it was, just like nothing. Um, yeah, um, because they both had cancer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had um, Hodgkin's um, lymphoma, yeah. whatever it was. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, they're not a company anymore, are they? No, they're bought by Bayer, who is the people who own aspirin, and so they had to divest a bunch of their their um, other agricultural things, so that it was not just a giant um, antitrust corporation. Um, but they also did like the thing is like Monsanto was doing a lot of things that were chemical and agricultural together. So like they also had parts of owning, I can't remember which company it was, I think, but that, that, uh, that, um, developed, uh, DDT, like the pesticide and also things like agent orange, which is what I talked about in Vietnam, which is that terrible, horrific, um, um, is it a a napalm? I think it's napalm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, agent orange putting that across uh, as a war thing. They developed white phosphorus, which is a specific type of phosphorus that um, ignites at 50 degrees Celsius, meaning that it's pretty volatile and it's used in bombs and stuff for the military. So Monsanto is the only people developing this specific chemical for the military, I believe. And so it's very complicated. And so it's like both like, hey, look, we we make food, but also these chemicals that uh, are pesticides, which aren't natural to help our special food survive, but also... Um, we make all these, you know, chemicals that do other things like kill people. So shady, evil corporation. It does seem. And if you look at like this, the, the way that it was broken down, like all the companies that it owned, it's like this, it's so many different varieties of what's happening. And I understand from like a a business level as to why that happened. Like you're like, Oh, look, we're already making pesticides. Let's make, but we don't, but these pesticides are killing seeds. What if we made the, the, um, seeds not be affected by these pesticides, that would make a lot of sense, so we could kill everything but these. And you're like, well, we're already making these chemicals, or, like, we're already making chemicals in this way, like, I bet you we could, we have the ability to make these other chemicals, which would be helpful to people, to make other, um, uh, yeah, industrial chemicals. So it makes sense businessly, but then it just seems, when it, when it becomes a large faceless entity that has their fingers in everything and then it does take away from the well what is the point of your company is it supposed to be to help humans or is it just to make a uh, profit at the cost of humans and i think yeah where neil is coming in is that these companies have these farmers over a barrel and they don't have much choice yeah because it's to cooperate or otherwise they're, they're done yeah and it kind of seems as though this, this record is more Neil just 
it seems almost defeatist in a way of just being like, there's not much you can do about it. Mm-hmm. You just have to go along with this absolute monster of a company. And then he's talking about like other songs. I guess we should get in some of the songs. So one of the songs is called Big Box. Yeah. Uh, which is basically him talking about big box stores. Specifically Walmart is what he talks about. challenges there like he's talking about how essentially the idea behind the fact that walmart itself is a corporation and that corporations are people which is something i learned in uh miss dove's grade 12 politics class and blew my little 17 year old mind what do you mean they're people and so he's saying jokingly that corporations have souls uh, and that's why they're people too Um, but it's honestly a um it's a legal definition and then i was thinking about it today i'm like i get why like, it's complicated because you're saying that they're people. There should be a different subsection. But I understand the simplicity of it within the law to say, like, hey, if you work for this ju- this company and this company um, does terrible things, that people can't come after you as an individual to ruin your life. Yeah. And so I understand both sides of it. Like, one, it seems terrible when that person that they're trying to go after has a lot of pro- a lot of money. And they're like, well, this is terrible. You should go after that terrible, horrible person. But on the other side, like, I can't I can imagine running uh a, you know, a business as a business owner and you incorporate and then suddenly something horrible happens unintentionally. And then can you imagine that like, Oh, by the way, also your life is ruined because you've done this. This Yeah. Thing. When it's unintentional. Yeah. It's complicated. But they weren't very happy when this record came out, were they? Monsanto? No, they said that a lot of them were fans of Neilio. <laughs> he wasn't seeing it from a three dimensional point of view. You mean like we're trying to portray right now? Yeah, that that these people, that these corporations are actually people, mm-hmm. that they do care, and they're not just this faceless entity that ruining the planet. And yeah, so it upset a couple of fans. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he also sneaks in stuff like in big box. He sneaks in the labor rights thing, like hey, these Walmart workers don't have benefits. Look, they got to wait for their their call, and they're not even getting paid well. I'm like, okay, that's not. I get what you're saying. We're just trying to put a lot of like. Um, pretty like a uh, strong left-wing labor and anti-corporation sentiment into this this album um and i could imagine yeah the idea that monsanto is made up of a bunch of people who probably like neil young because it is he's a pretty popular dude he's a pretty popular dude that's what we're talking about oh my gosh it's so complicated too and then so i wonder how neil feels now that it has been bought up by bayer like does he feel like that his is further that it's helped the problem or that it's further um sub i want to say made it more i want to say subterfuge but that's not what i want to say but like made it more obfuscated the problem because it's no longer owned by them well, maybe we'll find out in uh this new album that's about to come in out. colorado yeah maybe it's a sequel oh maybe it's a sequel that'd be great i would love sequel but i think this is when he's at his best i think i don't i don't really love the record um it feels I good find- though yeah, I, I think the songs musically are not that inspiring. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, the songs, I find it a bit of a slog to get through. Mm-hmm. But this is when he's at his best, when he's got something to say. Mm-hmm. And he's angry. Mm-hmm. And it's punchy. Mm-hmm. Rather than just this floundering behemoth of a record. Yeah, when he's punchy. And they have their place, but I don't know, I, I feel like him as a song a singer songwriter, this is where his strength is. Because he's focus. being an active yeah, when he's got focus, absolutely he needs a focus. And when he's like he's been an activist for what, more than forty something years, fifty years. Pretty active. And and this is what he does best with music. He creates these records. This is when his music is his best, when he creates a record that actually has a point. Mm-hmm. Unlike and it's nice to see. It's to hear. Yeah, Greendale, uh, you know, I get what he's doing, but 
He's also he's taking pot shots at this thing at like everybody, right? So he's got Walmart. He's Monsanto is the big thing. He talks about Starbucks. Starbucks. Yeah, he's just getting in there, just ranting about Starbucks, and he doesn't really call it out. He's just a little bit. What is it called? A rock star bucks at a coffee. Yeah, coffee shop. Uh, I mean, deadly battle. <laughs> exactly. He's like, oh, I didn't say Starbucks. Well, you better change your station, cause that ain't all that we got. Yeah, I want a cup of coffee, but I don't want a GMO. I'd like to start my day off without helping Monsanto. And then part of me is curious, so I'm like, are you, that you kind of give them free advertising in some ways? Because I definitely read that and I was like, huh, hmm, Starbucks, okay. I'll some coffee. Uh, but I also noticed that Whistling is back in that song. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. Not a fan of the whistle. My favorite whistle, and I think the only, the only great whistle I can think of is uh, Sitting on the Dock of the Bay by Otis Redding. Oh, yeah. What's that one from the Kill Bill? Oh, the so. end. Oh, wait, I can whistle one second. No, I can't today, sorry. My friend used to do that all the way through 2005. Just randomly. What a friend. Are you still friends? Oh, yeah. You know, his name is Jeff. Oh, is Jeff still doing it? Uh, no, he hasn't. Maybe he will. Maybe, maybe one day he'll listen to this and be like, should start that up again. I remember... It was a very popular ringtone. Oh yeah, mm, a lot of people would have it. I um like it, similar to the um, old phone ringtone. All right. I had that one because I first got my iPhone three G, and I'm like, this is amazing, old phone ringtone. And then suddenly, suddenly, everyone started having that one, so I had to stop it. But I, I don't know if you've heard my ringtone. It's something that I've probably had since two thousand five or six now, or two thousand six or seven now. I haven't. Is it? It's um. It's just, uh, it's a, it's Jack Black at the beginning of a Tenacious D song pretending to be a phone going. So that's what it sounds like when my phone rings and I know it's mine because nobody else has it because I made it myself on my computer. That's very good. Thank you. So I just transferred that phone to phone to phone. My speaking of ringtones is from Metal Gear Solid Mm -hmm. of when Solid Snake gets a call on his codec and it bleeps. That's what my ringtone. What does it sound like? You can look it up and put it in here. I won't. Um, I'll just put well, solid snakes right here. Oh, lots of snakes. Codex. Okay. Um, but yeah, but yeah. Uh, the whistling in the Starbucks coffee shop is kind of like a narrative and a protest. Like he's talking about going through the process of getting the coffee and that he doesn't want his coffee with a GMO. He doesn't want it with a GMO. Just wants a coffee. But where's he getting? You can imagine he's the guy kicking off at the barista. Oh, excuse me. Is this um? Is this an organic uh, GMO free fair trade uh, coffee? And some poor like seventeen year old who's not being paid properly with an with an apron, just being like, um, our coffee is is blah 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 comes from uh, many different sources in which we uh, pro- appropriately um c- contribute to farmers and their communities. Can I take it, in, please? <laughs> um, it's. <laughs> no it's Kalisa okay so we're going to have to ask you to move we've got a line here mm-hmm. yeah that's probably a picture like do you think he goes there just to just to complain because I imagine some people go there to make a big scene about how they don't like Starbucks I think he's a complainer yeah I just no one wants a complainer just get in the line keep moving uh, yeah oh just don't go Right, right, what about it? Like maybe it's it's him and like someone else going like, oh, I'll just grab a coffee here, and he's like, mm. but he's not like actually. I prefer, you know, what I don't really like to support Starbucks as so we could get something else, or or just saying like, hey, I'm actually not going to buy anything. And they say, I thought you wanted coffee, because I just don't support Starbucks. And they go, okay, interesting. 
and you don't have to say anything else. You don't have to like rain on someone's parade. It's like your version of vegetarianism versus other people's or veganism. Like you're like, okay, that's cool. I, I'm not eating that, and people might ask, but I'm not going to be like, I can't believe you're eating that rabbit. Yeah. How do you feel about um, people taking your name in Starbucks? I get it because, uh, like, like as far as like business practice wise, what they're trying to do is give you some sort of um, uh, what's the word like uh, Andrew Carnegie. Um, the the sound of someone's name is a sweet thing. Community kind of. Well, it's just like if you say "Hey, Rich," then you're immediately going to turn and be like, "Oh, that's me," right? Yeah. Like, like, and you're going to be like, "Oh, I like that name. I like when people say that. I like it." That's My cool. problem is is that when I say "Rich," mm-hmm. sometimes people just write "Reg." Yeah, but they're just messing. And then they shout at "Reg," and I get really embarrassed. Well, that's why you can also just say "Bob" every time, or like uh, "Alfie." I know, but then. Then I'll forget what name I've given. I'll get really anxious about that. There's this podcast I listened to, which is amazing, called uh, "You Like Nice Today." But they decided that the best, the best name you could give uh, is, is "Truck" because you can't mess it up, and no one else is going to have it, and it's got a hard K sound at it. That's truck. true. But then, aren't you going to get the question of like, "Excuse me," and you're like "Truck," and they're like "Truck," "Truck," yeah, "Truck," like "Vroom Vroom Truck." Okay, with a T. But they're not really going to say with a T. They're going to see what it is. They're just, you're going to get it and it'll be like, buck. And you're like, whatever. <laughs> like, have you ever thought of like, because if you said Richard or Rick, it might come off a little bit differently. But the thing is, it doesn't actually matter what name it is. As long as you know. But I usually is. say Richard because you, I think it's harder to mess up. What about Boomer? I can't pull off Boomer. What about um, Big Boy? Rich Dog. Rich dog. What about? Um, I remember my um, year, my year two teacher. So I don't know what that is for you guys. It's like it's like uh, uh, grade. It's like grade one ish. Okay, so you're very small, and uh, yeah. And I had this teacher called Miss Sharp, and whenever she would do the register, she would call out people's names, and when it would get to mine, she'd go Ricardo. Mm-hmm. And I had to get my mom to come in and report her. It's the, it's the only way. Because I was like, I am not having someone, even at that age, six, seven years old or whatever, I did not want to draw attention to myself. How did your mom address that? Was she just like, hey, just say, I'm not sure if you know, uh, Rich is actually kind of uncomfortable being called Ricardo. He's just really nervous to say it. Or was she like, you cannot mess with my son, blah, 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 blah. I think it was like, hey, can you just call him Rich? Because he's just getting embarrassed. And he can't tell you because he's six. Yeah. And this is going to be a problem for him going forward in his <laughs> life. <laughs> this ain't going to get better, but this is an acceptable point where I need to intervene rather than himself. Yeah. Oh, boy. She um, always do this thing, uh, the teacher, was her technique. I don't, I don't think this is a good technique, but if you had a fight with another kid and she was asking you what happened and she was like, she'd go, did you accidentally punch him in the face a few times? Mm-hmm. You'd be like, yeah, absolutely. It was an accident. And then she was screaming and said that accidents don't happen that way. Hmm. But obviously that tactic didn't work very often. I thought that she was, you were going to say she was allowing you to save face and be like, hey, what, did you accidentally hit him? And he'd be like, oh, yeah. It's like, well, what, what was happening? And then she could work through it and be like, okay, well, what, how can no, we make no. sure this doesn't happen in the future, that these, these accidents don't? And the first time, it's like, I'm letting you save face to make sure it doesn't happen. And then you very clearly say like, so I don't think that accident or any similar accident is going to happen. That way we understand... No, sorry. And she also tried to stop me being left-handed. And you are currently left-handed? I'm currently left-handed, still anxious, and will never run up to anything that I do in a fight. Mm, accidentally. So when, when you punched your, your boxing trainer? Yeah, punched you him were, in the left hand. You were like, accident? Yeah, by himself, Paul. And when he punched you? When I punched him. He punched me again the other day and it hurt. Yeah, did he say sorry? Sorry, mate, accident. No, he winded me, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, should we mention any more of this album? The the song, actually, the actual song, The Monsanto Years, or Monsanto Years, um, yeah. is, it makes me kind of l- dislike them less because it's a super chill song. Oh, oh, oh. 
Yeah. It's just like got a really nice groove to it. And he's really slow. Really slow, just really. With the, the little guitar noodling. Like some of the guitar. Like what I like about this is like some of the guitar work is pretty sloppy, but they just leave it in. That's a very Neil Youngy thing. Like he's yeah. like on point. Yeah. Just a bit messy. Yeah. And yeah, I think that this is what this band. This band, like you were saying before, I think they fit in well. They get what Neil Young is selling. They have done their job. They've kept it reined in to the point and made a great record. Yeah, it's not like with the last album with the orchestra, which really sticks out as a different, like a contrast to what Neil Young actually sounds like, or like um, even with the, the Are You Passionate with the uh, Booker T and the MGs, or um, <sighs> what's the one with the Blue Note, the Blue Note people, the This Note for You people. But those all stu- stood out as not very, as like Neil Young and other people. This feels like Neil Young record. It's like Neil Young and the Promise of the Real, but it feels like everything came together. Yeah. In a way that they, that they, they get him. I think, yeah, they. I feel like they were all on the same page. Yeah. It's done good. It's done good, Josh. It, it is nice to listen to. Like the first time I heard it, I wasn't that into it, but then that to read a bit more about the record and the company, the corporation, and. And this is good. Yeah. And here's, I'm curious if you are appreciative of the song, If I Don't Know. Because, um, so If I Don't Know has a pretty great jam element to it. Like it's a nice jam track, not jam track, jammy song. Like it's got like the, the meandering, hey, we're going to have some solos here, etc. But it's only four minutes and 24 seconds. If I don't know what I'm saying. It does everything you need in four four twenty four. My my favorite is Wolf Moon. <laughs> yeah, Wolf Moon's pretty great. Yeah, it's pretty great. Wolf Moon is great. Wolf Moon, thank you for rising. Big sky, I'm grateful for your parting clouds. the England women's football match mm-hmm. the other day and they never have live music on outside of the, the outside of the stadium there was a guy on the stage who played Harvest Moon and Old Man yeah on full blast and I was like I cannot escape nearly um, he was performing it or he just had a recording of it was playing it the man was performing it nearly um, wasn't there oh that's nice Wolf well, Moon is also just sounds badass Wolf Moon does sound badass. Right? Like, I don't think Wolf Moon is one of the specific types of moons. Like, there's 12 moons. I think it's 12 in a, in a series. Like, Harvest yeah. Moon is a type of moon. I think Cherry Moon's a moon. Um, can't remember the other ones off the top of my head right now. There's a, there's like a, I don't know if it's a Raspberry Moon or can't. Oh raspberry God. Moon? Well, the idea is that they're, they're full moons that hit specific um, times of the year. So your harvest moon is the heart is the moon that's going to, the yeah. full moon period during the harvest season, which is current, like now. Cherry moons, I think, are May moon, because it's about the cherry season. So you're looking for that. It's, that, it's a specific moon connected to a specific um, time of year. And it's kind of like marking that as the, uh, as the seasons change and as the months change. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you found the list, if that's what you're looking for. No. Because it's not coming up. Oh, look up, um, look up Cherry Moon. 
Hang on, I list of moons, list of moons. My, my, my computer has given me a beach ball for a while, so I'm just being very hesitant with even looking things up. Cherry moon. See, this is fun for everyone at home. Mm-hmm. Listen to me, Google. So. Mm-hmm. I use DuckDuckGo personally, but Google's acceptable, I guess. I turned off all my Google um, I'm listening to you stuff and the, the, the sharing history, and now my phone won't let me do voice reminders anymore, even though it's all um, local. I have left it on. I quite like, I get this, um, I think I've said about before this, like Google month in review. Yeah, for the maps. Tells you, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's something I find kind of comfort about it. Yeah, I had that too. I kind of like it. But then what I realized is that um, like I went into my settings, and if you go into your Google settings, you'll realize that it has every single time you've ever said, hey, Google, or asked it a question recorded on a file under your, uh, in your, on the internet saved forever. So you can listen to yourself talking to your phone. Oh, really? Yeah, and they don't anonymize it. So Apple <coughs> will anonymize all the information and put it out to help them improve Siri, whereas Google will keep it all connected to you, exactly what you've asked for, exactly what you've said. They also recently uh, found out that they what they do is they scan your Gmail account for all your receipts. So even if you don't use a Gmail, um, if you don't use Google to buy anything, they still track everything you've ever bought by just scanning all of your emails for things that you have bought. That's terrifying, isn't and it? And they were like, hey, no, we're just doing it to help uh, with your, if you ever needed it, you could find it. It's like, well, how come you didn't advertise this feature ever? And they're like, oh, well, um, you know, if you go through these three different pages, you can find it. So it'll, it'll pull like any, any receipt that's come through and pull all the information, how much you bought it, what it was for, where you bought it from, et cetera. And they're probably going to sell it to people for creepy money. And then Neil Young's going to make a great record about it. He would make a great anti-Google record because it's getting to the point where Google and Facebook are like these giant tech companies that own everything and mm-hmm. really need to be put in check somehow. Uh, I don't know if it's through government regulation or for development of other, you know, private industry things, but they're, they're giantly influential in the world. Yeah. So Neil Young needs to step it up and make a great record about it. And then we need to step it up and start making a great podcast about it. For sure. I think that that's uh, well, how, how can we get in contact with him? Do you think it's just like Neil Young at gmail.com? Yeah. Do you think we should start emailing neilyoung at gmail.com to see what happens? I don't think there's any harm in it. Oh, gosh. Hey, Neil, how's it going? What if we just started writing letters to him? Love letters? Love letters would be nice. Do you think that he would enjoy something like a, like a soliloquy or um, a sonnet, I guess, is what I want to say? I'd quite like to cover the versions of his songs. Like we could just record them and then send them to him? Yeah. Or whoever yeah. is at neilyoung at... At gmail.com to a... Poor Mr. Yeah. Young from, from uh, Massachusetts. Yeah, receiving all these poorly recorded, terrible versions <laughs> of songs that the nation loves. Oh, boy. I was thinking about him in corporations, and I was trying to find if Neil Young himself was incorporated. But I, I, found, I was on his website, uh, on the Warner Brothers Records website. Um, and so it's all like copyright Warner Brothers Records, or Warner Records, whatever it is, and neil young but it doesn't say if they're incorporated or not i didn't get too deep into the research to figure out if he's a corporation but i did find out that his t-shirts are way overpriced they're like 50 american dollars for a regular t-shirt and then there's the lady t-shirts that are 95 dollars 95 dollars for a t-shirt for a t-shirt that says harvest and is kind of washed out if i didn't have anything better to do in my time josh i would stop recording this podcast just just to Oh, that would show him. Oh, that, that would, would show him? Stick it to yeah, him. Yeah, we'd stop setting our 10% to him. We should start making our own merch. Uh-huh. And selling it at a reasonable price. Uh, okay. Should we get the intern on that? Or feel free to submit your t-shirt designs to onenotsolo at gmail.com. Onenotsolo podcast at gmail.com, which, uh, or you can find our contact page. At one well, at gmail.com. <laughs> yeah, that'd be really great. I still, if someone wants to make a beautiful shirt that says we're all terminally ill, mine is just taking longer. Which I still think is the greatest t-shirt ever. Yeah. I don't know that how much it would sell. I also I picture it being a very small text thing, not like a big giant across the front. Like it, it'd be pretty classy. Maybe it's or like just a, like on a like a like a pocket square. Yeah, or like it's like a there's like a circle design in the middle, and it's, it says like one note solo or something, and there's like a cool there's like a cool graphic, and then around the edge it just says that. 
Okay, I could maybe make it for you, Josh. Okay. Just get yourself geared up for your birthday next year. Mm-hmm. That'd be pretty good. We're all terminally ill. Mine's just, taking, mine's just taking longer. Mine's just taking longer. Um, what is your opinion on people wearing band shirts of the band that they're in? A big no-no. Yeah. Why do you need to do that? So would you wear one that solo stuff? Uh, ironically, yeah. <laughs> I think the only challenge is when people ask you what it is, and then you have to be like, "Oh, it's this podcast." And then you're like, oh. "I will, yeah, that would be the one thing." Because I thought about making you a t-shirt uh-huh. as a gift. Oh, that's very kind. And um, but then I thought, would you actually wear it out and about? You're far more confident than me, and would probably be happily chatting away about the podcast that we do. But um, I am actually not as confident about talking about the podcast that we do because there's a lot of questions, and I realize we've picked something very difficult to uh, describe. We do a podcast about Neil Young and each of his records. Yeah, but then people go, oh. <laughs> and then I have to say, well, it's not to describe. It's, it's, too, uh, it's hard to get the essence, I suppose. Do you mostly just say we don't talk about Neil Young for about 55 minutes and then cram it in at the last five minutes and we say something funny and then we end the podcast? Usually that's what I say, although uh, I just generally don't talk about it, which I think is probably terrible marketing. We're very bad at marketing. But I also don't know that I, like the people that I, that, like it's like I suppose it's word of mouth where you tell people and then they tell people and then then everyone jumps on. But I don't. I feel it weird to just to kind of jump onto. I feel like I'm doing some sort of like um, pyramid scheme thing with friends. Be like, hey, how's it going? Have you heard of this amazing new product? Do you like Neil Young? You love him. Why don't you just listen to this? Plus, I mean, the people that I know really don't need to hear me talk more. Well, I think that some of these podcast episodes that we have done are actually better than the records that we released. <laughs> so what someone should do is come up with, they should start making a third podcast, which compares the episodes of our podcast to the records, rates them both, compare and contrast. I think that's probably one of your better ideas, Josh. I think we're finding it hard to, to end this thing.